0: How's everyone doing? 4th of July? Wow, you sound pumped and awake. That's exciting. Um, When I told Monica, my wife, that I was talking on the 4th of July, she's like, wow, you're going to have to do something like really big and cool and exciting. And I thought, like, what? And she said, you should do a magic trick. And, yeah. Sorry, it's not going to happen. It's not going down. I don't do any magic tricks. I'm awful at that kind of stuff. I did kind of think back to some of my youth pastoring days when we would do illustrated sermons and blow stuff up or something cool like that, but I don't even have that for you. So I appreciate you coming out on 4th of July, and sorry, nothing's going to be blown up. No magic. It's just going to, we're going to talk about Nehemiah and the Bible, and that will be awesome and cool. So, how many of you guys played in Hoop Fest last week? There we go. This, this is like the Hoop Fest corner right here. These are, any champions? <laughs> no? Second place? How about 13th place? You, you wish that, no? Even worse, okay. Let's move right along from that. Uh, I was out at Hoop Fest last weekend and had a great time, except Monday and Tuesday it made it a little bit more difficult to walk and maneuver and do your daily tasks. I had a friend that is actually part of our church plant with Emmaus that won the six foot and under elite division. So like the whole big thing, he won that. And it was really cool to watch him play and do all of that. And the next day I got to hang out with him and he just had this grin on his face from ear to ear. No matter what we were talking about, we could have been talking about anything and he'd just be grinning. And I'd say, you're still thinking about your hoop fest game, aren't you? And he's like, yeah, I am. It was awesome. So I thought, and it kind of reminded me even about what we're talking about today because when we have accomplishments in our life, things that we do, whether whether it's something small or something huge, whether it's something tons of people know about or nobody knows about. When we accomplish things, there is a real good feeling that we get. We get happy and joyful and excited and proud of those different things. A few years ago, the track team that I coached, we wanted to win a GSL championship, and we felt like we had a team that could, and we set that out as a goal, and we worked towards that all year long. And at the last meet of the year, when we won our last meet, got the trophy, got to run around the track, holding the trophy up, celebrated out in the middle of the field, there was something about that, a sense of accomplishment, a feeling of excitement and pride and joy of what we had accomplished together. Even when we redecorate a room or maybe clean out a room or clean out your car or something like that, there's right a sense of, I I did this. I know when I clean out my garage, like go through it all, get rid of the junk, the garbage, all of that, and it's all done, I will just stand there for a few minutes and just look at a garage and one of the thoughts, I'll think, it's not going to look like this in a week. It will be messy again. But the other thought is, I accomplished something. And I think most of us have had those experiences, those moments in time where we did accomplish something and we look back and are proud of that. And so we can kind of understand the uh, excitement and anticipation that these people that had just built this wall in the book of Nehemiah would fill. We're going to look at Nehemiah chapter 8, so if you want to open up your Bibles and turn there. All of these people are going to be coming together knowing that they have accomplished this great task of rebuilding the wall. And we can... Imagine their excitement and their anticipation of of coming together to celebrate this moment and what they've done. But what we're going to begin to see in Nehemiah chapter 8 is a little bit of a transition and a turning of seeing that it's not all about this wall, but it's really about what God wants to do in these exiles' lives. These people that have been scattered, been disconnected, been disenfranchised, been been on the outskirts. What God wants to do in their lives because God has always been at work and moving and wants to do something with them. What has happened is actually really amazing because these exiles who have been scattered abroad in all of these different problems for over 100 years have come back together and in 52 days rebuilt this wall. They've had this leader that God raised up to unite everybody, to fend off the people of the opposition against them, to, to lead them to do this great work. There, there was great cause for celebration amongst these people. Not only that, the timing of it, and it was probably a God thing, worked out that it was at the beginning of their year. So for them, it was like doing and accomplishing this great task and, and then going into a New Year celebration to celebrate what God had done and what He had accomplished with them. So and under normal circumstances, it would have been a time to celebrate, but you add the wall on top of it so that as everybody gathered For the first time in years and years, they have this sense that we're headed in the right direction. That God has done something great and something good. And it would be easy, I would think, for them to want to celebrate and be happy and glad because of what God has done. But God's desire is to continue to move. To continue to develop, to continue to take them to the ultimate place that He has for them. The reality is, is the story could end here. Nehemiah came. He saw the wall. He was moved. He gathered everybody together. They rebuilt it. They're gathering together. They're going to rebuild their city. And great story. But God isn't done with them because the story is not about building a wall or rebuilding a city. This story is God's continuing story of tirelessly working to connect and be with His people. Throughout the Old Testament, there's story after story, and some of them great, and some of them almost so magnificent it's it's hard to believe, but all of those stories ultimately end with God wanting to be with His people. God wanting to draw His people back to Him. And even as we move into the New Testament, it's about what? Jesus coming to connect and be with us. It's much more than a wall. It's much more than the economic development of a city. It's so much more than the the gathering of everybody together together to repopulate and reform and and remake this great nation. It's about God reclaiming His people, bringing them into right standing with Him. God wants His people to understand who He is, what He is, and what He has for them. It's about Him connecting with those people, seeing beyond this great accomplishment and what is really beneath the surface and needing to be done in their lives. And that's where we pick up in Nehemiah chapter 8. And we're going to start in verse 2. It tells us that on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of men, women, and others who could understand, all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Nehemiah makes it very clear here, and he has a little theme that starts to run in this passage that the people who could understand would gather. And the people that were gathered would understand. Verse 8, he says this, It says they read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. They'd built this wall. They'd accomplished this great task. But what was more important than the accomplishment that they had made was that they understood what this was all about. It says there in verse 8 that they began to give meaning so that they saw a deeper meaning to what was happening and what was going on. Ezra, who is there reading the book of law and giving the the words out to everybody, he'd been there for 13 years trying to teach, trying to call people back to God, trying to, to get people focused in on what God had for them. For some reason, on this day, something changed. Something took place. Something happened. It says there that they stood and they read from daybreak until noon. For six hours, the people listened attentively to the word. And they came back the next day, the day after, the day after, and they listened for six hours. Something was beginning to happen. Something was beginning to change. And, and my guess is that it was a, a confluence of all of these different events. All of the years that they had spent out in exile, lonely, wandering, frustrated, hurt, upset. The fact that Nehemiah was there and, and was able to lead. The fact that Ezra had spent those years working and teaching and reaching and trying to connect with people. The fact that they had built this great wall and done this amazing task, this, all of these events and everybody joining back together began to make and let something different happen. Because of all of these things, God's word begins to take on meaning. They began to see deeper. They see really what was out in front of them the whole time but now they're beginning to grab a hold of it. They're beginning to take it. And for us, we a lot of times read these stories and see this big event, and the wall was built and the celebration happened and the move of God took place. But really God, for years and years, was working in them, amongst them, calling to them, reaching to them, wanting them to be back with Him. It's not just about this big event, but it's about them understanding who God is and what he wants for them. We continue to look in chapter 8 and verse 5. It tells us that Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. And all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and they worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, and it lists them, says they were there to instruct the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read the book of the law of God, making it clear, giving it meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. I can picture this this event in my mind of these thousands of people all coming together and, and they're coming together for this celebration and then Ezra begins to read. And they begin to worship God. And it says that all of these people were were kneeling and bowing. They were standing and worshiping and praising. They were listening. And then they all began to weep and mourn. This is to me where it gets a little interesting and confusing. Because... Me, in my thought process, if I came in this morning and as I was talking, you guys just spontaneously started standing and worshiping and weeping, and I would think that that was pretty cool. Like, that would be an awesome thing. Like, God is moving and something is happening. But Nehemiah's response to them, he says, Don't mourn. Don't weep. This day's sacred. I really sat and paused at that passage because I thought, isn't it always the, the preacher's desire and goal to move people, to get them in a place where they're repenting and they're sorrowful and they're, they're saying, God, we want more of you and, 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 and we need you and whatever, whatever that's, that's the goal. So why would Nehemiah say, don't mourn, don't weep? The more you look into it, you begin to understand what's going on and what's happening. The day before this festival, this, this uh, celebration of, of the tabernacles, it was the annual day of atonement. And so the day before this, they came together, and, and or at least were supposed to have come together and come and taken care of their sin confessed and sacrificed and done all of those things and mourned and wept and and taken care of all of that business and then enter in to the celebration of God's forgiveness. There's a sense here that when that day of atonement happened, it wasn't taken very seriously. They just kind of went through the motions of it. And now that they're here at this festival all of a sudden things are beginning to make sense. They're beginning to understand that they should have repented. They should have done things differently. I should have done this and I should have done that. But God has established this progression for them and in the way that He has set up these festivals of first you do go in and atone Ask for forgiveness. Repent. So there is this conviction and then there is this cleansing, but then you must celebrate. It's almost as if Nehemiah is saying, it's just as important to celebrate God's forgiveness as it is to ask for God's forgiveness. So don't get me wrong. There is this first step of going to him and repenting and, and taking care of that, but then... There's this next step of moving beyond that and saying, God, we celebrate. Thank you so much for what you've done in our lives. And many of us, and we may even be one of those people, know of people that never get past that conviction and guilt and condemnation piece of life. They're never able to receive God's forgiveness and step into the joy and the celebration, the peace and the grace and the mercy that he wants to give to them. Nehemiah chapter, verse, chapter 8 verse 10 goes on to say that Nehemiah says to him, he says, go and enjoy choice food, sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared, this day is sacred to our Lord. Don't grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, this is, for this is a sacred day. Don't grieve. Then the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. The more that we understand, God, the more grateful and joyful we become. The more that we understand God's purposes, God's plans for our lives, for our friends' lives, for all of those around us, the more that we understand that, the more joyful we become. And because there is no doubt that we need times of repentance, of mourning, of being serious and focused. But just as much as we need those, we need times of celebration, of excitement, of joy. All of the repenting and the studying and the mourning point us to joy and celebration because of what God has done and accomplished in our lives. The more that these people understood, the more that they were ready to celebrate. The more that they were ready to go out and party and be thankful for what God had done. A few weeks ago, my grandma passed away. And it was in the last few weeks of her life that she was really prepared for it. And we said our goodbyes. And and it was really kind of a, a neat process to go through with her. She lived an amazing, godly life. Gave all of the time, loved, cared, and very quietly, without ever drawing attention to herself, just gave and gave and gave and gave. But then that moment comes when she does pass. And when you find out there is this mourning that happens, this thought of it's going to be years until... I get to be with my grandma again, celebrate, love, all of those different things. And when we held the funeral service, I really, because honestly, my grandma is probably my greatest hero in my life. And I didn't know what that moment, what that experience of going to her funeral would be. I really had no idea what to expect. And I walked into the room where her casket was at to go sit down. And in that moment, there was just this a little bit of uncontrollable sadness and grief and mourning of that's my grandma up there. And I don't get to tell her how my day's been, what I'm doing in life, all of those things anymore anymore. As the service went on, they read story after story after story of people who had sent things in to say, Leona did this and that in my life, and she was an example in this way and that way. All, and as story after story, that sense of mourning and sadness really began to dissipate in this sense of celebration and love and excitement for this life that she had lived, these things that she had done. And you could look past this temporary fact that she's no longer with us to see the heritage and the legacy and all of the things that she had accomplished and done. When we mourn and repent and have times with God, they ultimately lead us us to joy and celebration and thankfulness. Throughout the Old Testament, God is serious about us celebrating and having joy and being thankful and being excited about what He's done. He institutes feasts and festivals and celebrations, times where the people come together and, yes, they may remember their past and where they came from, but it's a time for them to celebrate and be excited for what He has done. And there's a cool part of this passage where Nehemiah tells them to go enjoy food, enjoy drink, have a great time, and even beyond that, take it and give it to the people who aren't even ready for it. Share in this celebration and this joy with them. Bring them into it. It challenges me because I want to live well. I want to build the walls. I want to do the work. I want to accomplish the things that God wants me to accomplish, but I also want to celebrate well and party well, be excited and thankful for what God has done and bring other people into that joy. These people's strength was not in their ability to build a wall. Their strength was in the joy that became rooted on the inside of their lives because of who, what God was to them and in them the joy of the lord is our strength we're in the process of planting a church and it can get really really busy with doing paperwork and making up plans and the the state wants this form filled out and insurance companies want this thing filled out and you're doing meetings and trying to figure things out and it's overwhelming because we got to have this in time for that meeting and this in time for that date and All of these things going on, and and even in a righteous endeavor, we can become so focused on the tasks and the things that we have to do that we forget that the joy of God is our strength. That the purpose of what we're doing is not opening up another church, a building, an organization, but bringing God's presence to people. So after they build this wall and they're ready to celebrate this great accomplishment. God is there saying, it's about me and you and us together. Being together, celebrating, loving, excited. We can't lose sight of God, His joy, His strength, His presence in our life. And so today we have the perfect opportunity because it's a national holiday and we're going to be with friends and family and out at the lake and at barbecues and watching fireworks and all great things. And we can go and we can celebrate. We can celebrate because of who and what God is in us. And we can look beyond, yeah, it's great that the, it's the nation's birthday. But we know that there's a greater purpose in our life that God is calling us to. And we can join together and be thankful and grateful. So as we sing a few more songs and we take communion, I want to challenge you guys today, tonight, to spend some time looking, connecting with God, looking and for that understanding and that purpose and, and getting our mind off of all of the things that we have to do and say, God, reestablish that joy, that purpose, so that I can have strength to do what you have called me to do. Let's pray.